Coming up this week on the Sooner Schooner Show, we'll tell you who's opting out of the Alamo Bowl when OU plays Arizona on December 28th. We'll take a look at some of the departures via the transfer portal and discuss OU's need and how I have a little bit of a different philosophy about the transfer portal as compared to everyone else. We'll tell you if whether or not OU would have made the playoffs this year had there been a 12-team playoffs and why things could drastically change with the selection committee coming up next year and, and what and what to be on the lookout for. Uh, plus, we'll tell you any lessons that you should have learned yesterday from the selection committee deciding to ice Florida State and put Alabama in. I'm Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Before we go any further, do me a huge favor. Pause right here. Thank you. Give us a five-star rating and write a written review. Um, the five-star rating helps us elevate our content to, uh, to a lot of other people. Get it out there. And the written review tells us what kind of content you want more of. Take a screenshot of both. Send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And Pete will send you back the Heartland College Sports koozie. Okay, so let's talk about the departures for from the transfer portal. All right, we will start there right now. Obviously, OU, um, the most notable, or obviously the most notable of those, is Dylan Gabriel. We'll discuss him in a second. OU's got 11, right now 11 players from the transfer portal, which is two less than Vanderbilt, who's already had 13 declare on uh, day one, week one of the transfer portal. And and look, there could be more. And if there are more, if there are any significant changes, uh, we'll do an emergency podcast later on this week. But at this point, 11 players are leaving via the transfer portal. And I mentioned Dylan Gabriel. You know, the whole re- the whole thing with Dylan Gabriel leaving, and, and I have no inside information on this whatsoever, but it stands to reason that Dylan Gabriel had a conversation with Brent Venables and Seth Luttrell about what next year would look like for him at Oklahoma. And I'm pretty sure they told him, you might have an opportunity to compete for the job, or they probably told him, look, we're going with Jackson. You know, it's the day and age of the transfer portal. We don't want to lose Jackson, Arnold. We thank you for everything you've done. You've been a good quarterback. If you want to hang around and compete, that's one thing, but that's exactly what it's going to be. We're not going to guarantee you a starting job. I think that's first and foremost. The other thing is that Dylan Gabriel probably learned that he is a day three pick in the NFL right now. He's an undrafted free agent. And even if he goes to, say, Mississippi State and lights it up or Oregon, which is two of the places that have been mentioned, also USC, which I think would be funny. I think it would be hilarious if he went to USC. And just go with me on this one here for a second. Um, If you I've never really, like, I am not one of those that thinks Lincoln Riley is a quarterback guru, okay? And I haven't thought that for a long time. So if Dylan Gabriel would go out to USC and have success, then people would start to question whether or not Lincoln Riley actually made any of these quarterbacks better. Because four of his best five quarterbacks, he would have gotten out of, he he would have gotten via transfer, And then Caleb Williams, you could always make the argument, was naturally talented. And then you could point to Spencer Rattler and say, you know, the one guy that you did recruit, the one guy that you were supposed to mold, didn't turn out so well. So that's why I would enjoy Dylan Gabriel going to USC. I don't think it's going to happen. Most likely, it's going to be Oregon. I do wish him all the success. But ultimately, it's time for Jackson Arnold 
to get his shot at being quarterback at OU and for OU to find out if he's going to work out. Um, Some of the other guys leaving via the transfer portal, Marcus Major. God bless him, man. I actually feel bad for Marcus Major because he worked his butt off and he's had such a roller coaster career at OU. This year, at one point, the biggest thing he had going for him is that he was just healthier than some of the other backs in OU's rotation. And I I guarantee you there was a point after the Central Florida game where Britt Venables looked like he was disgusted with the entire running back room. And what did he say about Marcus Major? Well, the best ability he had was availability. He was available, so we could put him in in that game when everybody else, for whatever reason, was either injured or just not doing what they needed to to find themselves getting the carries that they that they wanted, and I thought Major was Major is about as loyal a program guy as you can get. The dude should have ju- should have transferred a long time ago. Didn't stuck it out. So I hate to see him go. Uh, do think OU's going to need to upgrade at running back at some point. Um, with Sawchuck and Barnes being the main two guys this year, Tywee Walker also transferring. Hate to see that. Uh, don't see where his place really is here at OU. But last year, he was a lot of fun to watch. He was the perfect short down back. He was the perfect red zone back. Ran tough. Not really a fast guy, but a guy that would that would be physical. A guy that wouldn't avoid contact. Uh, Dylan Smothers, another running back uh, that's leaving. You know, Those are just some of the guys. Savion Bird, uh, who started off, who was a starting offensive lineman this year, got replaced. Seems... You know, seems pretty you know pretty obvious there. Uh, Josh Llewellyn, the tight end, uh, and the reason I bring him up, and the other, re- and I'm going to bring up Nate Anderson and Marcus Hitz. I'm going to br- bring up all three of these guys for a second here. Okay, Nate Anderson was the number two guard in America coming out of high school. Marcus Hicks was a four star recruit, and then Llewellyn, either a four star or a three star, depending on whether or not you're going with rivals or twenty four seven. And the whole reason I bring these guys up, because Hicks just went back and forth between offensive and defensive line. He only played in three games over the last two seasons. Llewellyn was mostly a special teams guy his first year here. And then, you know, Anderson didn't start a single game for OU. And you're talking about guys who had a good amount of stars behind their name. That's why I don't get all that excited about recruiting day. One, because you know that there are going to be some guys that don't pan out, no matter how good the publications, no matter how good the websites, no matter how good the talk show hosts or the recruiting experts, the recruiting no matter how good they tell you they are, they are, some guys just aren't going to pan out. The other thing is, is that, you know, all three of these guys that I just mentioned are all going away via the transfer portal. So any chance that we would have to watch them get good, we're not going to get that opportunity because they're going to go find greener pastures elsewhere. And hopefully they're going to have success. Like I always bank on about a quarter of your, your recruiting class leaving via the transfer portal and always bank on at least a couple not panning out. So that's why these are the reasons why I don't get excited. Doesn't mean we won't talk about it. Doesn't mean we won't cover it because we know that that's information that you want, but ultimately I get more, I guess I get more excited about the transfer portal just because maybe you're familiar with those kids. And when it comes to OU's needs, look, OU could still need a linebacker and defensive backs 
depending on whether or not Danny Stutzman or Billy Bowen decide that they're that or Bowman, Billy Bowman or is deciding that uh he's gonna jump into the transfer portal. Okay. But both those both those guys could jump in. The way I look at the transfer portal is a little different than most people. I really do look at it as more of a draft than necessarily free agency. And I guess you could look at look at it like it's free agency as well. But if you get the opportunity, if some kid wants to come to your program and that kid is at a position that maybe you feel like you're deep in or at a position where you've already got a starter, but you think this kid could actually start for you and is an improvement over what you have at that position, whether it fills a need or not, it may be a little bit of overload. I say go ahead and take him. If you can find a quarterback better than than Jackson Arnold in the transfer portal, no issue taking him whatsoever. I'm not saying that's going to happen. And I'm not saying that OU would necessarily do that. But if you thought you were stumbling on the next Peyton Manning, why wouldn't you take this guy? If you thought you could get a running back that was the caliber of Adrian Peterson, God knows why either one of those dudes would be in the transfer portal, then you need to take him. If you think this guy can help you win ball games and keep your job, take him, regardless of whether or not it's a need. Worry about that later because you might have somebody a little bit lower on the depth chart that's easier to move around, a guy that's more versatile than you do a couple of guys who may be fighting it out for that first or se- first or second slot in your in your depth chart. You know, who's who's first string, who's second string? Well, they're both about even. Well, okay, well, let's move this other guy around because we think he's good. We just want to give him some time to play. Again, if you can find somebody in the transfer portal that's going to make you better, I don't care what position they are, go ahead and take him. You have to win ball games. Trust me. The fans will not care. The fans will not care that maybe a coveted recruit got bumped down if the guy you bring in helps you win. Nobody cared that Spencer Rattler was sitting the bench when Jalen Hurts was brought in. No one cared at all. Hey, Jalen Hurts, he's from Alabama. Hey, Jalen Hurts is going to help OU win a lot of ball games. All right, Spence, you're going to wait another year. And then no one cared when they brought in Caleb Williams because you saw almost automatically, it's like, wow, this guy's probably better than Spencer Rattler. So, yeah, we want him to be the quarterback. Always take guys that they can make your team better. I don't have any problem with you being loyal to your players, but ultimately you have to be a little selfish and you have to be loyal to yourself, your coaching staff, and everyone else around you because there's a lot of people depending on you winning football games. Speaking of winning football games, OU did it 10 times this year, finished the season at 10-2, and and according to the selection committee, they are the 12th best team in college football. Yeah, kind of scratching my head on that as well. OU missing out on a New Year's Six game. Instead, they will play in the Alamo Bowl versus versus Arizona, which, hey, the Alamo Bowl has got its own set of departures or guys sitting out. Trace Ford's not going to be there. Jacob Lacey's not playing in the Alamo Bowl. Andrew Rame, uh, Davis Bevel. I don't think that's that, that, that big a loss that Davis Be- Bevel isn't playing, which I would add to, I guess if there's a need, I would like OU to go get in the transfer portal. Go get an experienced backup quarterback one that could actually throw. So if something happens to Jackson Arnold, this guy can step in, and it's not going to be a big deal. It's it's not going to be a Davis Bevel situation where you're thinking, hey, can this guy play at all? Why do we bother putting this guy on scholarship? Go get somebody more expensive or more experienced than him. 
Uh, Woody Washington uh, is not going to be playing in the, in the bowl game as well. Uh, I don't know if I've already mentioned Reggie Grimes. Um, so there you go. A lot of guys deciding that they are not going to be playing in the uh, – a lot of guys not going to be playing in the bowl game this year already, which – which, before we get into the playoff talk, um, I'm believing we're going to watch bowl games diminish right before our eyes in the next couple of years. As a matter of fact, they already have. If it's not a playoff game, it's hard to get excited about with kids opting out. It feels more and more like a scrimmage with so many freaking bowl games being out there. So many. You just wonder how many schools are doing their athletes and, and staff members a favor by forcing them to go to bowl games in December because this has become a period of transition in college football. Coaching changes get made. We've talked about the transfer portal at nauseum today. A lot of kids jump in the transfer portal and you've got to you've got to get your uh, recruiting class in order. You've got National Signing Day coming up. Coaches leave for other jobs. You've got staffs who are in transition. So it feels like simply for a money grab. All these schools are forcing these players and other members of, you know, staff members to go down to these bowl games when really they're not into it, when really they don't want to play it. And I don't think that having an Alamo tro- an Alamo Bowl trophy is not something you're putting out front for OU. It's nice to have, but it's not anything you're really going to brag on. Maybe you brag about the trip a little bit, but you're not going to brag about this. Really what's significant for OU and everybody else is the three extra weeks of practice that you get for the bowl games. And if you're Brent Venables, you use it to get younger guys some some quality reps, some quality snaps. Maybe you use it to start implementing some new things, sort of get ready for the spring. This is your opportunity to, to test drive Seth Luttrell. That's what this bowl game's about. Whether OU wins or not, at this point, it's really insignificant. And a lot of a lot of players have figured that out. Schools have figured that out. And when you expand the playoff to twelve teams, watch the bowl game shrink down. Watch them become less and less, just simply because people are going to lose interest. If you don't know the people playing in the bowl game, you're not going to watch. And ESPN may like what the bowl games do for them financially and ratings wise, but I think a lot of the reason the people watch bowl games and why they get such good ratings is because it's the holiday. You're at places that maybe you don't necessarily want to be, so a bowl game's on. It's a lot better watching a bowl game than sometimes it is having to talk to your relatives. That's why the bowl games get such good ratings. Um, but OU 10-2, only 12th in the uh, in the college football playoff rankings, which means they won't be at a New Year's Six Bowl. And the, justifi- the, the justification for it is an absolute joke, which you should know that when it comes to the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, they're going to say whatever they need to say in order to justify whatever moves they were making. Just ask Florida State. The committee said what they needed to say to keep Florida State out and get Alabama in. And people had to be looking around that room thinking, are we really going to leave the SEC out? Is that what's going to happen? And the answer to that was no. We are not going to leave the SEC out. We can't leave the SEC out. They're too powerful of a conference. We're going to have a college football playoff, and we're going to say that these are the best four teams that a team from the SEC has to be in. I honestly believe that that happened. 
And then when Boo Corrigan came out and said, well, you know, we looked at Alabama, we looked at Florida State, and Florida State's different. He didn't say worse. He just said different. Then it told you, all right, they're going to do whatever they have to do to get the four teams in they want. And they're also going to do whatever they have to do to get the 12 teams in that they want. And this year, had OU been, or had this year been a 12-team playoff, okay, your automatic berths would have been Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama, Florida State. All five of those schools will be in. Now, remember the rules are the top six ranked conference champs get in. So all four of those teams or all five of those teams are conference champs. They're in. Four of them are getting buys. Florida State, unfortunately, wouldn't be one of those teams. But four of those are getting buys. But you've got to go all the way down to 23 before you find the next conference champion. And it's stinking Liberty. It's Liberty, who has the 132nd ranked strength of schedule in college football and played no Power 5 teams. Liberty would be the school that bumps OU out of the playoffs this year. It is an absolute joke that OU would not be playing Florida State in the first round. Instead, it would be Liberty. Ole Miss gets in. Georgia gets in. Penn State gets in. Ohio State, Missouri, and Oregon, they all get in. OU gets left out this year. However, okay, remember what I said. Are we really going to do a 14 playoff? without having an SEC team in. And then the conversation becomes, okay, what are we going to do about the SEC? How many SEC teams can we get into this playoff without looking like we're completely biased towards the SEC? And this is where I think OU would have had a much better argument this year because Boo Corgan uh, mentioned the fact that You know, OU lost in Bedlam, OU lost in Kansas. That weighed heavily upon them. But let's look at the the best wins of the teams that got in and OU that would have been left out. Missouri, all right, their best win was against number 21, Tennessee, and Kansas State. Both those teams, eight and four. Now, Penn State did beat Iowa, who's 10 and three, but they can't score an offensive touchdown. And that's their only ranked win of the season. Ole Miss's only ranked win of the season was against 9-3 LSU. Impressive, still not better than OU's win over number 3 Texas, who beat Alabama, and SMU, who ends up 11-2. And And I do, and I don't know why I believe this, but I believe that if this year was a playoff scenario, OU probably gets in over Penn State because they've got a little bit of SEC ties. They're going into it next year. Now, next year, things get a little bit more convoluted because you're eliminating one conference totally. You're eliminating the Pac-12. And now, you've only got four power power conferences. So, most likely, whoever wins the Big Ten, SEC, ACC, those teams will be higher ranked. Then you go down a little bit longer, you get the Big 12 in. Well, okay, there's four And now you've left the door open for two group of five schools to get in as conference champions. I don't see that happening. I I think that this committee will revamp their rules. When you get a school who's powerful enough to get screwed out of a conference, screwed out of a playoff appearance by somebody like Boise State, somebody like Wyoming, 
North Texas, when any when any of those schools get in, say over in Alabama, an Auburn, an Oklahoma, then these guys will go back and change things because they'd rather appease the SEC than they would the group of five. You can leave the group of five on the doorstep. No one cares. And let's face it, the group of five has gotten worse since the Big 12 absorbed all the best teams from the AAC and SMU's going from the All-American Conference, or yeah, from the American Conference, the American Athletic Conference, to playing in, in, in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Who's the most quality group of five school out there at this point? Well, it's Boise State. You don't want to keep rewarding Liberty for not playing any Power Five teams and having a dog schedule. You can't do that. Okay, you can't reward Boise State for playing in a bad conference. You just can't do it. So you're going to have to do something to ensure that the group of four gets as many schools into this playoff as humanly possible. And I can see it where maybe it's only the, or excuse me, the power four. I can see it where it's only the power four getting invited to the bowl games and the group of five is, is, is on the outside looking in. And it's also taking a look at next year. I mean, two of those teams in the top four would not have been conference champs because Texas will be in the SEC and Washington will be in the Big Ten. So at that point, you're looking at Michigan, and I'll give Texas the I'll give Texas the credit for winning the SEC. I'll take Alabama out of it. So you're looking at Michigan, Texas, Florida State, and then I'll give Oklahoma State a bid. They're number twenty, so there's three. And then it's probably what SMU and SMU and Liberty are your sixth, which still doesn't leave much room for Oklahoma, because then you got to go find six schools after that. So you got in Bama, you got Georgia, you got Ohio State, Oregon, Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss. That kind of wraps it up. So, but I still believe, all right, still believe that because of what we learned yesterday with Alabama getting in over Florida State. When it comes to teams that are on the bubble, that the SEC will still have the loudest voice in the room and the most powerful seat at the table, and that can't do anything but help Oklahoma. So ask why they left again. What you saw yesterday happen with Alabama is the reason why OU is going to the SEC. That wraps up this week's show. Unless some major news breaks, which if that happens, uh, we'll certainly be back. And be more than glad to uh, entertain and inform you. But until then, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.